When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to your latest Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Carroll. And today, in the absence of Phil Kirkbride on the world's longest holiday, we've got Adam Jones, (laughs) Gav Buckland and Dave Prentice. I am sadly the only one who was present for the Echo FC 6-0 drubbing at the hand of Waitman's last night, so everyone else's hands are clean around this desk. But we've got a lot to talk about in the world of the Blues uh, as Everton's transfer window finally gets underway. So, Adam, we'll start with you. Uh, The news that Dave broke earlier this week that Everton has agreed a £22 million fee with Barcelona for the services of Lone Star Andre Gomez. Straight to town, once you read that article, or did you keep it classy? You've got to keep it classy in these sorts of situations, you know. Deal's not done yet, you know, still a bit of paperwork, the medical, all that all that kind of hassle still needs to go through. But uh, I think the fact that it's £22 million, I think that's a massive win for Everton in, that, in those sorts of transfer negotiations. And it's the exact sort of reason that we brought Marcel Brands into the club. You know, we got hints that he was going to do this last summer, you know, when he had quite tough negotiations with uh, Barcelona over Luca Dean and Yeni Mina in particular. That one dragged throughout most of the transfer window, to be honest. But uh, thankfully this time it's not been allowed to drag as far as that because Barcelona need to get Gomez out the door by the 30th of June for their uh, for their accounts. So it played that that played massively into our hands. And I think uh, Brands has played it absolutely perfectly. And, you know, 22 million for a player of Gomez's quality, who we already know, you know, is loved by the fans, fits into Silver's system. It's just a no-brainer, isn't it? I think it's a an amazing deal. Do you think Gomez has been the priority this summer, Dave? We've said about this many times, haven't we? We do have a difference of opinion in this room <laughs> on, uh, on some issues. I'm very much in the uh, the Gomez fan camp, and uh, I think 22 million is a remarkable piece of business. I do guess uh, the statistics that people point to, he only scored one goal, he only created one assist. But uh, I just prefer to think of his overall influence on a game in a debut season in a Premier League where he was only introduced in late October and was still finding his way into a, a, you know, a new country, a new, uh, a new football league. Every pass is a positive pass. Every pass is purposeful. And um, looking at some of the stats, I think it was 84 point something or other percent accuracy of his passing. But in the final third of the pitch, you know, where it's all compact and it's tight, it was like still 77%. And if you think that, you know, he's always looking for a, a, a penetrating pass, a pass that will, you know, to open something up. Okay, it might not have directly created that many goals, but I just look at what I say, you know, that he brings to the team. I think he's a very, very good capture. And for that price, it's just incredible. I know Marcel Brands gets the, the credit for it. Um, and it might not, again, be a popular viewpoint among certain sections of the other fan base, but Bill Kenwright is also very, very influential in transfer businesses these days at Goodison. Marcel Brands is the conductor, but, you know, Bill is acting as a sounding board still. And obviously he's worked at the club in times of austerity, you know, so he's hatched, tra- hatched transfer deals when the club had no money. And he is still helping, you know, sort of... Uh, 
wouldn't say advise Marcel Brands. He doesn't need any advice, but the pair of them do, you know, so talk on a daily basis about deals. And I think, you know, the fact that the deal is such good business, he's played a part in this as well. Uh, but overall, 22 million, or what was it, how was it described to me? A crisp packet more than 22 million <laughs> uh, is a great bit of business. Gav, are you, are you going to have an, an alternative view from, from Adam and Preno? Is this what we're geeding up to? Semi-alternative view. Um, last time you were on here discussing this, got a bit of stick afterwards because um, I'm not... You've got thick skin. Yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. yeah. I was I was rather comforted to see that Paul Joyce, who was previously off this parish, was, was, was agreeing, agreeing what I said a couple yeah. of weeks ago, um, which, which was good. Um, and... I I feel yeah it's 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 the point to his stats and I don't really like talking about stats as you know about players but it's not just Gomez's stats is that if you've got Gomez and just just a gate together sixty Premier League games last season between them for one goal and a couple of assists for two players who are not not defenders and that's 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 one of the problems for me is that it's having those two players in that area of the pitch who. In terms of affecting the game further up the pitch to a to a great degree, haven't really done much. Uh, but I also get the fact that by staying a bit deeper, allowed Sigerson to play forward a lot more, and you know we see what the effect that he has. So um, it, it's a it's how Gomez fits in with, with the team if he's still going to play just a Garner guy. To be honest with you, for me, um, and I've not got a problem if. You know, if he plays next season for us, um, with the fee, as long as he does more in terms of affecting the game for me uh, than what he, what he did last season, and that might mean having a different midfield partner, that might mean a different role for him. But I wouldn't, I'd be disappointed if he just plays the same role as last season because I think this this he's, he's obviously a quality player, isn't he? You can see that, but I want to see him affecting the game. Funny enough, I read that Joycey piece and I read the flack that he got and it won't yeah. bother him in the slices because he doesn't even look at his notifications yeah, on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, but it was heavily stat-based and it was, you know, why Everson need to expect more from him. And I thought the stick that Joycey got was unfair because you know, I accept that, you know, there are elements yeah. of his game that do need a little bit of improvement. His final season at Valencia, I think he scored five goals, uh, which is, you know, part of the reason Barcelona were prepared to pay such a huge sum of money for him. Um, obviously it didn't work out for him at Barcelona but I don't know I just think you know goals from a person that plays in that part of the pitch is not really all that relevant if people around you are contributing think back to the greatest team we've had how many goals did Peter Reid score how many goals did Paul Bracewell score yeah none but, but that's next to point. none that's the point if you play this again again next to me he doesn't score goals either so I've got well, Reid and Bracewell you know, yeah, great, great but, guy. It's, di- it's different then as long as you've got the Bernard game. pitching in and you know, World Cup pitching in but they, didn't, they, support, they, didn't, <laughs> they didn't they didn't do that no yeah. that's the point well, I, th- that, I think but, they're the what, issue rather than the central midfielders being the issue well I, I, I think there's a bit of both is we need more creativity more goals from that area of the pitch for me um, I think against the better teams, I think it's okay because they'll have more of the ball, and I think I think more suited. To, you know that 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 partnership is more suited to them. It's when we're playing the teams that we should be beating, yeah. which is part of our problem last year. Is if we're going to sit deep, you want more creativity and more output from those two players. Yeah, uh, more than happy to have those those two players playing against Liverpool. Then Gomez was man of the match, wasn't he on the field? But against the better teams, we some, we need something a bit more potent going forward. Uh, against uh, against sorry, against the weaker teams, which we didn't really have last year, 
and that that's the concern I have. Um, so I, I like to. I, I agree totally with uh, Paul's article yesterday because it sort of confirmed what I said a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'd want to see more from him next year. The, uh, I think we all agree that we like definitely do want to see more from him. I just think that there's no signs to suggest that we won't. I think when you look at Gomez last season, you know he's come come to Everton injured, so he had to wait until mid October for his debut. He was absolutely shot as confidence. He was calling his time at Barcelona hell just before he left because he was that, like that shot from what had been happening to him at Barcelona. You know, like that'll stick with the player, I think. And you know, regardless of how good he looked when he came to Everton, I still don't think he will have been yeah. at his peak. He like he wouldn't have been as confident as he wanted to be, mm. as comfortable as he wanted to be. Especially then when you get into you know, the busy festive period, the first time he's ever had that. And, you know, we noticeably saw him struggle a little bit with the uh, with the pace of the game in the Premier League uh, around that period in particular. But I think, you know, with Everton getting this deal done seemingly very early in the transfer window, hopefully we'll, he'll be there first day of pre-season. We'll be able to prepare for that well this time. He's already got the confidence behind him that he knows the fans love him. Yeah. He knows the manager likes yeah. him. I, I, I think... <laughs> There's the whole basis there for him to then go and push on. I think if we, if like, if in the first couple of months of the season we're not seeing that progression, then I think we maybe worry a little bit. But at this stage now, I'm not necessarily concerned that we're not going to see any sort yeah. of improvement. I, from I wonder him. how much the psychology has to uh, play in this because um, I know we're going to talk about Leighton Baines later in the day, but. I, th- I thought that interview he gave about signing a new deal, being heavily influenced by the conversations he'd had with Marcel Brands and Marco Silva, was really significant. Um, he basically said they were sincere conversations. You know, he wasn't given any false promises. Um, he was basically told, you know, so what the future held for him. But he loved the direction and the purpose the club is going in and what plans they had. And you get the impression that Silva... Uh, and brands have had similar conversations with Gomez and whilst he might not have been getting out of Barcelona he might not he more getting more of the stick rather than the carrots I think he's responded well to the fact that he clearly is wanted and you know the, the Everton you know it's a communications and media team have you know sort of worked hard with him you know that hugathon you know the much publicised you know where he bought the other coat for the lad you know it's all little silly little things but it makes him feel part of the community and uh, that just all plays small subliminal parts in him suddenly feeling like yeah I feel comfortable here and hopefully that will just grow and grow as his uh, you know as time at Everton progresses to, to be fair as well and picking up on what uh, Dave was saying before about negotiations and stuff I think what we're paying is probably half as what was supposed to be what was put on a t- table originally last year. Remember, it was like forty mm-hmm. million. Everyone that's the, that's the transfer million. fee. The stories yeah, we're yeah, hearing today yeah. suggest his wages are significantly yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. increased. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you know, it was sort of forty million last year. But yeah. you know, that's being reduced somewhat. And you know, for the player visibility, twenty-two million is 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 you know, it's not a lot, is it mm. really? But I just want to see more from him next year, and I'd, I'd rather see a hold midfielder play behind him. To be honest with you, for me, so we can affect the game fairly. Gavin Buckland and the Gordon Lee have the oh, yeah, yeah, No, I think he I'm makes a good point. Mackenzie the team either. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he. I think Gav makes a good point there. Yeah. To be honest, but like the the only thing that's sticking in my head is that let's not forget Andre Gomez. There was a clause in his Barcelona contract for if he won the Ballon d'Or. That's how much yeah. they rated him when he, they signed him. Like he's had obviously a bit of a rocky spell uh, at the Camp yeah. Nou, but. 
you know, if he can rediscover that sort of form that made that clause a thing. Oh, totally. It's weird, actually, because, I mean, you know, 25 years old is a little bit, you know, long in the tooth to fulfil potential. But equally, you know, so going back, as we always do, or I always do, Peter Reid was... 26 was he when Everson signed him for 60 grand and having been valued at 600 grand only a couple of years previously uh, Arsenal tried to sign him then and obviously was that was a different reason injuries wrecked that spell of his career but you know he flourished late in his career and there's no reason to suggest that Gomez isn't going to get better you know I'm not saying he hasn't flourished already but you know he, he can get even better that takes us on nicely then the, on the same day that Everton did agree a transfer fee with Barcelona for Andre Gomez, they also shifted out the first part of what I'm imagining will probably be a pretty big summer in terms of getting rid of the Deadwood and Nikola Vlasic joined CSK in a £14 million deal. Adam, is it fair to call Nikola Vlasic Deadwood? Do you think he, he wasn't, was he surplus to requirements or would you have liked to see, see him given another chance? Um, I'm so torn over Vlasic. It's, it, it is strange, I think. What a tune. What a tune, by the way. It's torn. <laughs> What, Natalie and Brulia. In Brulia, big <laughs> tune. Uh, I don't know. Like, I think if I'm if I'm being ruthless, which I think Everton do need to be in this transfer window when we're talking about wages and etc. I think yeah, he probably is a little bit surplus to requirements. Wouldn't have been a massive a massive earner though, would he, Vlasic? Every little helps. I think in this in this transfer window, every little helps. You don't know a nasty Roger, do you? I mean, there are <laughs> yeah, some yeah. hundred grand a week. Salaries and transfer fees but being put the, the, the problem, the problem is like he's obviously a clearly very talented young player. He was before Everton signed him. You know, he was working his way into the Croatian national settlement. Then uh, he obviously had a bit of a rocky spell with us over that season. But I think everyone did really that season. There's only a, a couple of players that really came out of that season, uh, smelling rosy. So uh, Vlasic last season, again, it was just a bit, you know, was he, you know, his stats were okay. But, you know, for playing in the Russian Premier League, for the best team in the Russian Premier League, were they amazing? I don't, I don't think they necessarily were. And I remember you had a conversation with a, Russian journalist not so long ago about Vlasic and they would expect them more yeah. from him over over in Moscow. So it was intriguing to me to see that they went full for him. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, you can't really argue with a £14 million fee for somebody who's... Plus the sell-on fee if he does flourish. Exactly. Uh, for somebody who has only really seen flashes of genius, if that, over his time at Everton, you know, he made... Less than 20 appearances, I think, scored two goals. Both of them came against Apollo and Limassol in the Europa League. 14 million, a four million pound profit in two years. I think I'd take it. The Gast- most, sorry, sorry, I was going to say the most disappointing thing about Flasic going is his sister Blanca <laughs> losing her. <laughs> Twitter, uh, so comments. She was like so enthusiastic boss about boy. her brother. Hashtag boss, boss boy. boy. Yeah. You know, and it, it was, I just loved seeing, you know, her enthusiasm every time <laughs> he was named in the team, every time he scored a goal. Be disappointing that. But there's, there's just, whenever you talk about the Russian Premier League, two names just jump out at me Aidan Magidi and Umanias. They were superstars in the Russian Premier League. So, you know, you haven't got to be, you know, a stellar talent uh, to flourish there. Do you think a, a little bit like what you were saying before about, about Bill Kenwright and, and Marcel Brands and their transfer negotiations? For me, the the biggest part of this transfer is that sell-on fee because obviously we did see moments from Vlasic that suggest yeah. there is a player in there. So if he shines now over the next two seasons and I'm one of Europeans, 
bigger lights come calling, yeah. Ever, Everton are set to benefit in, in the future. It's very wise, yeah. Uh, you've got to try and cover all eventualities. You know, some, again, what, what's his age now? Is he 22, 21? 21. So, yeah, still plenty of time to, to develop and, you know, sort of develop late, if you like. Uh, so, yeah, just covering yourself is quite a, a good insurance policy in this. I thought it was okay, Nikola Vlasic. Uh, I, I quite liked what I saw from him on occasions. I know other people at the football club weren't as impressed. Um, he didn't really figure at all during David Unsworth's time as caretaker manager. Um, it's, he seemed to be a bit of a Marmite character. You know, so some coaches liked him, some coaches didn't. Not to do with his attitude. You know, he was impeccable in the way he you know, presented himself and conducted himself. Um, but you know, he's okay. He was steady. You, but you know, Bernard is. You know, if you're talking about you know, sort of an upgrade. Wow. You know, but so, I mean, yeah. I think that I think that's the issue. A lot of people at the club at the time. I think we're looking at Vlasic as a winger, and I don't think yeah. he's a winger. I yeah. think if we were going to keep him, he'd be a sort of backup to Sigurdsson. Yeah, fair if enough. anything, yeah. which I, which you know, on the one hand, I would have quite liked to have seen that. Mm. You know, we don't think we really saw him in that role for Everton. So would have liked to see how he could have fit into that sort of attacking midfield role, but. The problem that you've got of being Sigurdsson's back up as Kieran Dowell's find and now obviously is just the, when are you going to get a chance? He seems to yeah. be the, the most fit person at the club. You know, he's... When are you ever going to get a chance ahead of Gilfie Sigurdsson? Especially with his goal scoring records he's as well. You know, he's a player I love, by the way. He was a, I adore that man. Club. Big Sigurdsson fan? Oh, huge. Uh, absolutely top class. Just something about him, just like that, that creativity he has, that little eye, you know, that the vision... And you know the goals he scores are just yeah. Congratulations to him for getting married. Yeah, he got married, yes, got married yes, this yeah, week. Well done, pictures, well yeah. done in, a, in a questionable suit, I have to say. His wife, questionable suit, his wife's wedding dress was sensational. Um, yeah, they were great pictures. Yeah. Wedding, wedding critic Dave Prentice. <laughs> <laughs> get off face then. Not I do have a little bit of experience in this because when we got married twenty odd years ago, my wife Philip Armstrong she chose to design her dress. Who I knew nothing whatsoever about, but by all accounts, is a very talented Liverpool-based wedding dress designer. Therefore, you know, I know a little bit about them. A little bit of free, little bit of free advertising for Philip in, in, in the year. So we've got two two in agreement, seemingly, Gav, that Nicola Vlasic was a, a savvy sale. Are, are you going to make it a, a hat-trick? Three in agreement. Yeah, um, it was an interesting question you had at the start. Uh, does he deserve a second chance? And I was thinking about... I'm, I'm wondering with Silva now being the second year of his uh, deal and got his feet under the table, whether the second chances for players has actually disappeared. Mm. Whether actually now you're in a position where we're only going to play race and certainties, players we bought or we know are good enough in the first team and bringing players in for a couple of games to see how good they are is actually not going to happen in the future. And I think that will be reflected in some of our transfer dealings between now and the end of, end of the, the window in terms of the players that we'll get rid of. I would imagine there'll be... A few of Lassiter's ill who may see a you know a similar ending to their Everton career between now and uh, now and August. Would you would you throw Adam Ola Luckman? Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because I, I don't know, you know, no, like, I'm not sure. Luckman, Luckman's different because mm. Silver's all he's always talked about how much he likes Luckman, and he's he's always talked about how much promise Luckman's Brands got. Has and talked him up as well, hasn't exactly. He? It's just there's just something. Like there's a consistency problem with Luckman, and I think that's that's the only thing. And I th- I'm I'm hoping that's just the inconsistency of youth rather than anything it's else. He's still very young, yeah. isn't he? So yeah. 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 If you, if you're at a club two and a half years, which he is now, isn't he? Because it's January 2017. Wasn't it? No, no, 17. 17 yeah, you're so right. Two and a half years, isn't it? If you're, and you're not in the first team. 
then I think you need to be asking yourself serious questions and the club needs to be asking serious questions about, well, what is the well, best Silva did expand on it, didn't he? When, when Phil, Phil Kirkbride asked him about it and he, he said it was more down to, to his training methods, wasn't it? And he wasn't well, yeah, being consistent really in training, which to me, is that not more of a worry than being inconsistent in, in matches? Because you can forgive a young player for being up and down, but surely you should be ready to go and 100% in training every day. <sighs> I don't know. Are you expecting too much of him? Like, I, 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 think, well. I think you're definitely expecting too much of him. Like, I think the club's in a completely different place than it was in January 2017. Yeah, but if you're, if you're a club two and a half years, not on the first team, whatever age you are, you've got to be asking yourself questions. I mean, I don't know how many times he's been on the but bench. does he not join us like an 18-year-old? Yeah, but it doesn't matter if you buy What do we pay for? Eight million quid, something like that. Hmm. Um, and you're in and out, he's more, he appears to be more distant now. But maybe was twelve months ago because of the players that we brought in, um, and we do need to balance the books and to buy other players. We need to get rid of players and say and get a transfer fee for them. And he's one of the players that I think I would be surprised if they're not looking at him and saying, "Well, actually, there's been interest in the past, hasn't it?" Um, to say actually it could be the best for you to go, best for, for and for all concerned. Um, because what else? We just go come on the bench. What, what alternative is it next season? Are we just going to get the same as this season? How is how is he going to show that he's good enough to play in the first team week in week out next year? Would, would a loan spell benefit him, Dave? Well, he's had a loan spell, hasn't he? And did very well there. Um, came back and again seems to suffer from the same inconsistency issues again. I don't know. I mean, to me, there is an obvious opening on that right side of the pitch at the moment. You know, Theo Walcott. Started, you know, steadily, and then you know, sort of had a disappointing, you know, second half of the season. So there is an opportunity there, but it's up to him to take it. Um, you know, he hasn't really showed consistent signs of doing that. I know it's difficult because you've got to give him a four or five game run to actually to be able to do that. And can you afford to do that in the, the pressures of the current Premier League? I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm torn on Luckman. You know, there is clearly talent there. And I, I personally would be prepared to indulge him, you know, for another season or so. And uh, just, you know, to see what comes promise the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo the royal blue podcast and on the same day that everton agreed to fifa andre gomez and also sold nikola vlasic to csk moscow the club also finally announced that leighton baines had signed a new one-year contract with the blues and you i know a few people were getting a little bit twitchy uh, about why that had taken so long but adam could this potentially be quietly one of the best pieces of business of the summer uh, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. Uh, I think maybe over the last season, just because of how well Luca Dean did, we thought we forgot just how good Leighton Baines is as a footballer. Uh, it's quite obvious that he can't do it week in, week out anymore, especially with the rigors of that position in the modern game. You know, he's still a very athletic player, don't get me wrong, but, you know, playing him week in, week out, trying to get up and down that line in the Premier League, it's just, it's 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 not what his, his game's about anymore. Uh, like, in some ways, I would have quite liked to have seen him a couple of years ago mould into, you know, like a Philip Lahm sort of yeah, thing yeah, when yeah. he was at Bayern Munich, going to that sort of, like, defensive midfield the role. Martin has one-match experiment. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I'd love to yeah, see it. Yeah. I, I think that would have been really good. Did he ever play a game in holding midfield? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Got beat three two, but he actually created one of the goals, you know. So that day was that Goodison or no, at Newcastle, no. oh, St okay. James's Park? Yeah, 
Aruna Kone scored that game. Yeah, and he created one goal, so he didn't bother with it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think, you know, you've got a player of that experience uh, who's clearly still got it. You know, he showed in that Huddersfield game last season before he got injured that he's clearly still a very, very talented footballer, uh, more than capable of stepping into Luca Dean's shoes if need be. So, uh, yeah, he'll be on a reduced wage. It'll be... 12 months it'll be a little swan song for him at the end of his Everton career at the very least so yeah I'm quite happy to see him stay on for another year and get his like last goodbye really Do you agree that Everton have now got two of the best left backs in the Premier League Gav a, a well stocked position I think they've got one of the best uh, left backs and got one of the best reserve left backs <laughs> uh, I think Lane could still Semantics. do it. <laughs> yeah. well, no, so nitpicky, wasn't it? He's not one of the best left backs in, in the Premier League, but he could still do a job for some teams near the bottom, to be yeah. fair. Um, I think he could of, walk into of, a few Premier yeah, League because teams of, still. Because of the way the game's changed and also his age. Yeah, I'm perfectly happy with this. Completely different decision to Jags, as we've discussed on several occasions on the pod in the last couple of months. Um, very pleased um, and hoping he can go out on a high somewhere along the line because he's been... Probably, would you say, pound for pound, our best Premier League players, you know, in terms of the position, in terms of he's been... Oh, so that's the, a tough question. No, no but yeah. in terms of he's one of the few players who's played yeah. for us in the Premier League era who would be in any discussions on our greatest ever team. Yeah. I think he's... He, like, he would be, and that, that's how I would measure He's it, in the discussion you know? for... I think he wins the discussion for... like If you were to build a Premier League team of this decade... Leighton Baines as a left back. Be there because I, I just I just don't see how anybody else gets a ball. Did Ashley Cole hang his boots up when did he dip down? Because he's the best I've seen in Premier League. Yeah, really. Baines started well, getting in the team in 2012, 14, didn't yeah. he? So not a not nowhere near as good as Ashley Cole because Ashley Cole was Ashley Cole at his peak was definitely oh, last decade class. though, wasn't he? Uh, Leighton is just below is below that quite clearly, um, but. Um, I think he's. Um, I think he's. It's a good move for the club. Were you surprised, Prano, the, the the kind of character Baines is that he he didn't look to go and get first team football, whether it be in this country or abroad, or, or do you think that the you know he's a, he's obviously a, a good blue and and wants to stay on and, and help out? No, I wasn't surprised. Uh, he's been at the club for so long. He enjoys it at the club, as we've mentioned before on the podcast. He's based and settled in the area. He's got a young family. Uh, you know, I don't think he'd be looking to uproot his kids from the schools that they're in. Um, and I think he accepts, you know, physically that he can't do 38 Premier League games a season, you know, so 90 minutes of every match, as he did two seasons running, which, you know, I don't think it's been done very often. Uh, incredible levels of consistency, um, but still has absolute quality, which is what Marco Silva suggested. You know, so in the, uh, the quotes that were given out, you know, so when he signed the, uh, the contract, it raises for me the question, uh, does he now get a testimonial? Phil Jagielka didn't, yeah. uh, having you know, spent the same period of time with the club, Leighton Baines does. Now, it's nothing to do with the money because he doesn't need it. No Premier League footballer does. But, you know, the charities that could benefit from that, you know, so would that now mean there's a possibility we could plan, like, you know, a Leighton Baines testimonial and maybe even bring Phil Jagielka back? Can we not yeah. do, do yeah. some sort of joint yeah. testimonial? Yeah. You know, yeah. so bring him back as, a, you know, so a, a proper farewell. Uh, with you know Everton in the community for argument's sake, you know, so benefiting. It's you know just a whole team after night last night as well. <laughs> well to be fair, like, you know, yeah. the, the less said about last night, the better. I think he's put he's put his tie on now. Like Sam, Sam, facial, for, for facial those who can't see, Sam, who Sam is who usually comes in in polo shirts, is wearing a full shirt and tie, 
combo today. Pants. And it's definitely because he's he was expecting an inquest for a shoddy result for Echo FC yesterday. Well, the, the Echo FC manager, James Pierce is also the partner, isn't he? So there's a, there's a vacant managerial position going. And, and it won't be going to you after yesterday. I, I didn't have any say. I, I think Pierce let himself down. It's going on record. Um, Moving on quickly from, from that defeat. Dave reports yesterday claiming Everton had opened talks with Chelsea over the permanent signing of Kurt Zuma. Do you think that's now the next priority after Andre Gomez, keeping that squad together and then looking elsewhere? It's clearly always been a priority. Uh, I'm a bit surprised by the wording of have opened talks with Chelsea because they've been talking to Chelsea for the best part of 12 months yeah. about Kurt Zuma. Um, obviously, you know, the landscape has changed given Chelsea's transfer situation. Uh, but yeah, Marcus Silva made it clear uh, at the end of last season was very, very firm in his uh, in his conviction that Andre Gomez and Kurt Zuma were priorities. Now that Gomez appears to be you know sort of close to getting pushed over the line, Zuma does become the next priority. Yeah, uh, those two are very, very important. Get them tied down. You can start looking at you know the other areas of the pitch where they clearly do want back up. You know, uh, right back, another fella to play on the other the front three somewhere across the forward line but yeah Zuma definitely has to be the next priority if you think that Zuma and Gomez were, were both on the books last season how many how many players do you think including them two need to be brought in this summer it's, it's difficult when you suddenly bring in loads of players all at the same time it affects the dynamic of the squad it's difficult for them all to settle in I wouldn't go much beyond you know the other two areas I've already mentioned you know somebody else up front somebody else to play right back. Yeah. Possibly wide right. You know, so there's an area, you know, Walcott was inconsistent. Look, when we said we're not sure about. And then you can say midfield as well, couldn't you? I'd, I'd, say, <laughs> I'd say another so, midfielder. So, yeah, you know, there's a, there's plenty of, uh, plenty of areas there. So I'm trying to argue against, you know, so bringing in five or six players, but <laughs> we're just suggesting that there could be the possibility of all those areas needing strengthening. A lot depends on how many players are moved out. Because it's all about balancing books, and you know, Mashiri is very, very keen to lose a lot of the, the you know, the wages off the other bill at the moment. And if they can do that, yeah, they can then strengthen in those other areas. Were you impressed enough with Kate Zuma last season, Gav, to, to say be worth the 40, 50, mile, 50 million pound fee that's being quoted? I think I've said every time his name's been mentioned on the podcast, I've said that. Never mind that our next priority should have been our biggest priority. Yeah. At the start of the transfer window, he was the one player I wanted above anywhere, anybody else. To- to uh, play for us next year, um, I'm encouraged that as you know, notwithstanding what Plano was saying there about you know we've probably been talking for Chelsea for twelve months. I'm encouraged that it's back on the agenda. Um, but as we were saying, talking to Adam before we we came on air, as it as it were, that there's lots of things going on again at Chelsea at the moment that might go against yeah. the moving, isn't it? You know, potential new manager. Obviously, we've got this uh, this potential ban that doesn't really help. Uh, you know, things move forward. Yeah, there's a bit of a vacuum. Yeah, um, going on at the club. So, um, I will do anything to get Zuma in. Anything? Yeah, yeah. I would, I would, I would rather get Zuma in than two players. If you know what I mean, two other players. I, 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 he, he, he's the most important player for us to 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 get in. And, um, I, you know, I really like him as a player, and he has got a bit of leadership about him, which is not necessarily something that's uh, common elsewhere within the within the team. So, absolute priority for me, and hope it comes off. Absolute priority, Adam. Happy with that? Uh, yeah, and I, I just think, you know, as Gav was saying, Everton haven't necessarily been helped by what's 
gone on at Chelsea uh, over the last few weeks and months, really. I think especially uh, the departure of Sarri is a bit of a annoying one for Everton because I think in general terms, we kind of knew where Sarri stood with uh, with Zuma. You know, the Chelsea had just offered David Luiz a new contract, so it looked like he was going to be first choice. Antonio Rudiger is Chelsea's best centre-back, so he presumably would have been first choice, although I think he might be missing the start of pre-season at least through uh, through his injury. Uh, but regardless, he would be first choice as well. Uh, they've still got uh, Ethan Ampadu coming through the ranks. They've still got Azpilicueta. Still got uh, Christensen as well, who's apparently a little unsettled over his future because he's not getting enough game time. So, you know, there's a lot of competition there at Chelsea. And I think with Sarri still there, the the message was very much to zoom out. Look, if you want minutes, Everton are going to be the people to offer you minutes. Now it's going to be whoever the new manager comes in, whether it's Frank Lampard or whoever, you presume they're going to want to assess their options at, at the very least. They're going to be very interested in how Kurt Zuma performed at Everton. Uh, Zuma's made no secret of the fact that he still wants to make it at Chelsea. Uh, over the last few months, he's talked about getting more game time and he'll play where he gets more minutes. And, you know, if, if a new manager comes in and offers him minutes, then it could still well be in his mind to stay at Chelsea and see what happens. So I think that's that's the bigger... Like, regardless of the transfer ban, I think player power will have would have been more important than the transfer ban anyway so I think the new manager coming in that's the bigger problem for Everton at the minute Who do you think obviously Michael Keane if Zuma did sign has the shirt but how much does Jedi Mina have to do to kind of force himself or would he have to do to force himself into that partnership I don't, know. I don't think he has to do all that much I think you know last season we saw Jedi Mina you know in fits and starts obviously but you know he came in to two matches against Chelsea off the back of a long, long periods on the sidelines and kept two clean sheets and looked comfortable in both games. Obviously, it's juxtaposed with some performances where he didn't look uh, very comfortable at all. I think in Man City away is probably probably the, probably the low point Millwall. Yeah. Thinking at home, he didn't cover himself. Yeah. Hard, the, you know, there were a couple of low points there, but, you know, he's, he's still a young centre-back getting used to the Premier League. And I think there's enough that he's shown to me there that he can absolutely make it. I think Michael Keane has shown a lot of leadership qualities for me last year that means that, you know, he could help hopefully be able to help Mina through, you know, especially these first six games. We've been dealt a decent hand by the by the fixture list. That might be useful to try and get Mina, you know, involved into these into the setup a little bit easier than, you know, if we were starting against the likes of United, Arsenal, etc. So no, I don't think he has to do all that much. Uh, you know, he's apparently performing very well in the Copper America at the minute. You know, we'll see how how well Colombia do there. Like, I've just got my fingers crossed that he can stay fit, to be honest, come yeah. back, have a good pre-season behind him and just, you know, hit the ground running for second season. Do you be confident, Dave, if we don't get Zuma of Mina and Keane starting the season alongside each other? Um, jury's out, I think. Uh, Keane had a great season, Yerry Mina inconsistent uh, but great point that Adam makes there about the uh, the fixture list you know it's so important um, you know so how you start the season and you know the opportunities you get to do that I'm reminded of um, oh, was it 2001 no it wasn't it was uh, one two I think it might have been when uh, Walter Smith was manager and the fixture list that we were dealt was half decent I think it was Charlton away on the opening day and then a couple of other decent fixtures I remember talking to Walter and saying um, you, you spread best 
He says, what you're talking about, son? I said, spread betting. I said, you know, the bookies reckon you know, this is the number of points you're going to get this season. How many do you think you're going to get? And he gave some ridiculously inflated figure. And uh, I said, well, the bookies reckon you're only going to get this. I said, if you buy, you know, so you'll actually make money on that. He had no idea what I was talking about. But I did, judged on the fact that those first three fixtures were all winnable. Yeah. Everson won all first three. Bucky's rapidly amended their odds and he predicted we lost the next three after that. <laughs> uh, but you could cash out by then and already make some money. So I'm not suggesting that Emerson should start piling onto uh, so buying on the spread betting on Emerson's fixtures this year. <laughs> but it does give players an opportunity to, to just bed in, you know, yeah. so without that intensity, uh, without having to hit the ground absolutely running. I mean, it's an unforgiving environment, the Premier League nowadays. And you might look at the fixtures in isolation and say that, well, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. But I was listening to you boys on the other podcast last week, uh, the other day, and I forget which of you mentioned that the Chris was it Chris Beasley said the actual corresponding fixtures last season yeah. of that opening four or five we only won one of them yeah and so it was unbelievable yeah, yeah so you know it, it it's not doesn't necessarily mean that because the fixtures look winnable they're yeah. going to be yeah but yeah it does give players an opportunity to bed in and you only mean there is one that still needs to bed in even after a year. So. And lastly, now you've you've tantalisingly teased me before before the podcast that you and Gav have got some exciting yeah. stadium <laughs> chat to tell us all about. Do, do I not going to say on Yeti Mina? By the way, do you want to say on Yeti Mina? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say Adam's points. One thing he needs to do is stay fit. Stay fit. That's it. And if he's Yeti Mina, fit, if you're if you're listening, Gavin Buckland exactly. says stay, stay fit. fit. Do, you want, do you want to take the floor for the for the stadium, Gav? No, eh, well. To just, just, just fill everyone in on, on, on where you and Prano were. Me and Prano went to a presentation by the club, was it last Tuesday? Last Tuesday yeah, evening, yeah. yeah. And uh, as part of the consultation exercise, which they've, they've done quite a few groups, I think they've said. Uh, well, we were invited as part yeah. of our membership of the Everton Heritage Society. Yeah. So. And uh, obviously a lot of stuff is stays within the room, but what I would say, it was, it was hugely impressive. Hugely impressive. Yes, um, I'm not saying that out of any bias and I think or affiliation. It was, it was, it was hugely impressive and um, literally not a stone has gone unturned yeah. in terms of the planning process. Um, you know, not just that, but just I think Denise was talking about the Goodson legacy this week. Um, you know, so it's 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 only when you see it on a on a on a set of you know plans. You see, like the staging plans per se, but like the the area that we're building the stadium, all that type of thing how complex the whole thing is, you know, because it's a, because it's a heritage site, you have to be you know, very careful on what you can and can't do. And you have to work really hard in terms of making the whole thing work and make it, you know, it's got to meet the requirements of so many different stakeholders and such. But um, it was, uh, it was really, really impressive. And I come away hugely confident on, you know, that what's being said so far will, by the club will come to, come to fruition. It was, uh, it was excellent. And that was, and that was a view of everybody who was there, by the way, that wasn't just my view. Um, it was, it was superb, superb. Yeah, Colin Chong is the, uh, the, the stadium manager, I think his title is, and uh, a very impressive individual uh, who delivered the majority of the presentation. Mo Magazzacci, who's one of Everton's uh, comms guys, with the responsibility for looking after the stadium, which is, you know, an owner's responsibility in itself, uh, introduced the evening and then Colin took over. Uh, presentation was detailed, um, it was entertaining, it was riveting stuff. And uh, every question that was put to him, he had a really good pertinent answer to as well. From everything, capacity, naming rights, you know, so just... Like, again, the, the heritage work around the stage, which I think is why we've been invited yeah. as a group, uh, was, was so impressive and so important because it is like such a detailed and complex plan and project. 
but it did. It just it left you feeling really upbeat about it because I know there's a bit of cynicism out there still. People still seem to think that you know there are barriers, and you know obviously there are still issues. Um, but you know everybody seems so positive, so confident, and the level of detail and planning that's gone into it. It just it just looks and feels great. You know, you, you left feeling quite buoyant, didn't you? Yeah, and that, you know, because it's not just the stadium; it's the whole area around the ground as well. Getting the transport infrastructure right, all that type yeah. of thing that people, you know, and all that was covered as well in great detail. And so, it, it, it's everything and more appeared to be, you know, um, to, to being taken account of. There was stuff in there that I didn't realise needed to be done, you know, and it was it. And Colin was was great, and it. it, it it was you come away hugely confident about it, um, about the whole thing, and that you know the uh, the club has got the right people at the right level working working towards this goal, and it was uh, it was a, it was a it was a tremendous. Uh, I think we ended up being there three hours. I think something like that, which shows you the uh, shows you that you know the, the the detail and 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 the the incessant discussions that took place. Well, lads, thank you very much for that update and thank you very much to Adam, Dave and Gav for joining me for your latest Royal Blue podcast. We'll be back early next week to keep you updated with all the latest goings on from around Goodison Park and stay with us on the Liverpool Echo website for all the best breaking Everton news as we enter the transfer silly season. Please rate the podcast on Acast and on our Facebook page at the Royal Blue Podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.